You can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. You've probably heard me say before that I don't think that we need to be free before we can raise free people. I think that liberation is a really personal journey and that it does require intuition and creating something based on something you've never seen before. But it also gives plenty of space for teaching. Some things someone else has to specifically show you, and also some things someone has to specifically help you unlearn. So there's a learning and unlearning that comes with raising free people work that allows for the messiness. It allows for the chaos because from that, everything is on the table, everything is laid out so that what is really there as a resource for you or innate within you, those things can rise to the top and create a form of structure. And one of the parallels, there's so many things to me that run parallel with raising free people work, with unschooling in particular. And one of the things that I know that I've had to do a lot of de-schooling from, a huge part of my ongoing liberation walk, has been my relationship with my body, my relationship with my body, my relationship with food and my body. And so I'm super, super grateful for Moji. As y'all have heard me say before, she's been on the podcast a few times. <laughs> I'm so grateful for the type of work that Moji does because right now with Wellness Spiral, what this work is for her is about helping us to get in touch with our bodies in a way that is intuitive and empowering. Now, let me be really clear that there's no way Moji would be on this podcast if she was on here on some everybody needs to be vegan or why are you eating this food? And that we're not on that at all, okay? Because we're not going to exchange one master for another. We're not about to be telling you who you need to be and how you need to show up. What's happening in this space with Moji and her guests as she does what she calls talk therapy is really just listening to other people's aha moments the ways that other people have begun to liberate themselves from oppressive, toxic relationships with their bodies through food. And we can talk a little bit too about how that connects to our parenting practice, because of course, our food habits are ones that we pass on to the children around us. And this isn't about just like what we put in our bodies or what we buy for our kids to eat. It's also whether we're judging other people in the presence of our children, what that means how that is the opposite of raising a free person, and what some of the things are that we can do about that. So this conversation is personal. It's also political because the personal is political. Listen. And it's such an important part of raising free people work because when you are more deliberate about what you are doing with your choices, what you are doing with the ownership of your freedom then that will spill into all of the other ways that you look at oppression and liberation, including the ways that we nurture relationships with or stifle our relationships with children. Moji, we love and appreciate you. Let's get into Wellness Spiral. I am Moji Yai an unschooling mama and doula living a self-directed minimalist lifestyle. As an unschooler, I take full responsibility for my education and my health. I've learned though that it's one thing to 
Say it, it's a whole nother thing to practice it. This takeover of Fair of the Free Child is focused on nutrition. I am launching Wellness Spiral for you and anybody else who wants to tune in to their intuitive healthcare, our body's ability to communicate with us. Wellness Spiral is a de-schooling process focused on nutrition and intuitive healthcare. I love Akila's definition of de-schooling, shedding the programming and habits that resulted from other people's agency over your time, body, thoughts, or actions. Designing and practicing beliefs that align with your desire to thrive, be happy, and succeed. So when I was little, my mom, she did grow watermelon. It was like some of the first time I seen uh, plants growing, fruits growing, and I just remember seeing this vine and it was watermelon. I feel like that was kind of my first lesson. And like food comes from the earth. You know, it didn't come in these like plastic boxes, cardboard boxes. And I also grew up with a large mango tree in my backyard and a grapefruit tree. And so, you know, on Saturdays, my mom, she would grab the grapefruit trees. My uncles would come over and we would all sit in the backyard and pour boatloads of sugar (laughs) in the grapefruit and just eat it and like call it a day. Same with the sugar cane. And so... When I saw that, I definitely connected that food was medicine and that you could control what you eat, even though that wasn't the consistency in our household. That was kind of my first lesson Mm -hmm. in that. And also with medicine, my grandmother, I saw more of the medicine when it came to herbs and oils and things like that. Um, When we were sick, grandma's who we called and she would come and she would get the castor oil and rub it all over us and kind of have this ritual behind it. And so there was always this kind of underlying connection of plants and medicine and earth. And I feel like even though it wasn't really spoken over us, we were showed by example that these are remedies, these things are healing and that you can always use these because we use that before we use the Vicks and things like that. Um, And I also remember growing up and just playing with coffee beans and mixing them with lotions and like trying to make face masks and things like that. So I think that I always knew that things from the earth had some kind of healing element, even though I couldn't verbally say what it was. (laughs) I was raised by my mom, single mom, and I went to go live with my dad when I was 13 and so he lives in Tijuana, Mexico and so that was the first time that I seen anything different outside of the food I was already eating. I was introduced to a whole new culture, whole new food, you know, tortillas, salsa, things like that Um, and just the way that food was even produced went more to a lot of outdoor markets I saw fresh cheese for the first time, and that was mind-blowing to me. And having to learn, you know, to get these foods, it wasn't just show up and pay your money. Like, I had to learn new language behind it, and so it really created, like, a whole different new experience for me. And so I feel like that had a big influence that I can choose um, what to eat, and that actually had a lot more options. 
my stepmother, Rosa, she she definitely had an opinion about fast food versus the fresh food, and she was definitely more in favor of fresh food. Um, and so I feel like I learned a lot through that experience and through her as well. And then again, when I was 16, 17, I feel like that is when I was coming more into my independence as far as food. And that's when I chose to become vegetarian and then later vegan for the first time. Um, that was, that was really interesting. That was hard. <laughs> that was hard, but it also was a really great feeling because it was one of the first times that I got to really choose and say what it is that I'm going to put in my body. Reasons why, for me, I feel like that's when I was starting to become politicized. Um, I grew up in the Southern California punk scene, and so it was heavily charged with like political messages and animal cruelty was a big one. And I learned a lot through the music, the politics behind food and um, how animals were being treated. I started watching a lot of documentaries and that became this thing where I'm just like, okay, I'm listening to these ideas. I'm in circulation with all of these ideas and yeah, I'm still eating meat. And I loved meat. Growing up, I loved meat. It wasn't necessarily eating meat that was the problem. It was the way that it was processed and produced. That was what it was for me. Um, because I had feelings around it. I was having intense feelings around it. Um, it's like once you know right from wrong, you kind of have to do something about it. And so that was my way of practicing my politics at the time. And I became vegetarian. So with that, you know, I really tried to kind of understand why we were even eating meat in the first place. And watching those documentaries, I was learning a lot about how it was based in money. And for me, it just really became about the overproduction of meat and how meat was actually being wasted. And that to me was insane that we were spending all of this money and throwing it away and not just that. A lot of suffering was connected to that. And so I really try to go back to certain cultures and the ways that they ate meat. And that's why I feel like it wasn't about eating meat anymore. It wasn't about if you love the taste of meat or not. It was trying to learn the sustainability behind it and trying to really pinpoint why was I so upset that this was going on. And I think it was that. I think it was the lack of sustainability around eating meat and not even knowing how we got introduced to that diet. Then, yeah, I started to ease up a bit and just learning, because I used to be super judgmental, which was not good, healthy for me or the people who I wanted to educate or even explain it to. Yeah, learning that other cultures, meat wasn't a thing that you ate every day, or they were using it in more humane ways, and that eating meat wasn't necessarily the problem. So I learned that through it. I eat meat now in like the way that is processed here in the United States. That's like a whole other journey, you know, situation that I still grapple with. My food politics have changed. And so I'm still trying to get on a certain path of like, what does food outside of me even mean to me on a spiritual level, outside of a political level? My information and Christine's information will be on the show notes page, akilasrichards.com forward slash 83. 
the biggest thing that really changed for me was having a choice. My taste buds, that really changed. Um, I was tasting food so much more and I was excited about food. That changed. It felt great. It really did. It felt really, really good. What it is that I'm struggling with right now, I feel like even though I was having all of these choices, it was coming from a political place. And I feel like I, I don't want to say failed in my vegetarianism and veganism, but I stopped because the lack of spiritual connection that I had to it. I was vegetarian for a year and then I became vegan for the following three years. And this was all based around my politics around food. It wasn't necessarily like I hated the taste of meat. And then I went to Haiti for the first time. And I went on a project to plant trees and it was a predominantly white community and it was a vegan community. And so it was a big reason of why I went because I would be supported in my diet. And those moments at that time, my politics around food were changing because the way that this predominantly white community in Haiti were talking about food and we were there to create food, you know, plant fruit trees and things like that in an area that was mostly desert that used to be a thriving forest next to the beach and it was down to the limestone um, no soil whatsoever and it was a fishing and farming community and the way that i saw this community come in talk about food and just leave was happening in this way that i did not agree with and there was a lot of tension around it for me and it was one of the first times that i was seeing colonialism in this way around food um, and racism. And I thought it was really interesting that, and I was a part of it coming into this community, trying to tell people how to eat without actually talking about the history of how this community lost their food sources that were fruit and vegetables and even meat. And if they're eating meat, so what? And so I thought that was really interesting. And that's when my politics really started to change. On that trip, I stopped being vegan and it just kind of like turned it all upside down for me of what I thought I knew about my connection to food. And so I've been struggling with my connection to food since that. And that was 2011, 2012. And so I'm wanting to find more of a spiritual connection to food and not base it in politics only because, um, I feel like that was doing a disservice to myself for sure. And it was no longer about, it was more about what's right and what's wrong and not what feels good and the reasons why. And just trying to figure that out. The thing is that I know my body now. And we've had this conversation, especially with me being constipated since like the age of seven. Crazy. And we had the conversation that it was about wheat, gluten, and you suggested to me that I stop eating gluten. <laughs> and I did. And three months later, since that conversation, I felt a huge change. And it was more the connection of losing wheat, gluten, than it was ending meat in my diet that I actually felt a physical change in my body. And even after the conversation we had, it took me a while to kind of end it, you know, I would probably eat it once a week instead of every day because spaghetti was my favorite, pasta was my favorite food. 
and trying to just adjust to gluten-free foods. You know, this is a different taste behind it. Now I'm definitely way better with the gluten and my poops have been marvelous. (laughs) It's been great. (laughs) When it comes to the guilt, I definitely struggled with that. Um, And I think that, I think that's what it was too with the lack of spirituality because it was more connected to politics. I feel Mm -hmm. like when things become trendy or popular, we tend to put this like one size fit all on anything. And that includes food. And so I feel like food is such a personal choice, a personal journey. And I think that that's what I was learning when I had that trip to Haiti, when I saw how this community was kind of, um, well, not kind of basically judging, you know, a community that they're supposedly trying to help, but we already know how that goes. And it, there was no help involved. There was no understanding. It was a lot of this pressure to kind of, you know, force feed these ideas. But it's like these ideas are coming from these individuals' own guilt. And the community that we got to spend time with were just living their life, really just living their life. They had their own ideas about food that this community never took the time to listen to. And, you know, they had their, they were, in my opinion, way more connected. They understood the seasons. They understood what would grow, what would not grow in their changing climate. And again, this was a fishing farming community and they, they had their own connection to food. And, you know, we can't bring these one size fits all because, um, we find it trendy or we find it to be right. And right again from a Western standpoint, because that, that's not for the whole world. Food is a personal journey, a personal connection for people. And vegetarianism is not for everybody. Vegetarianism is not for everybody. Um, and that's for those individuals to decide what's best for their body and what, what works. Our idea of health and healthy, I feel, is really twisted. Um, what we promote without even understanding you or your own history with food because food for a lot of people can be really traumatizing you know um people who are forced to be put on diets and things like that without being told about their body you know without having the chance to even listen to their body for themselves yeah i agree with that it's it really is about listening to your body and that's been true to me especially with gluten not eating gluten anymore has definitely made me realize and open my eyes that my body is a whole intelligent being that needs to be listened to and discovered so much more deeply and reconnected and realigned. I got to be consistent when I am feeling great and I'm like in these modes of eating better, you know, waking up early, having my smoothie, eating fresher foods, um, and just knowing that when I am stressed out or in, you know, a situation where I'm too tired or I don't have my energy, just being consistent and also knowing that that state is temporary because I know it's like when things are flowing great and I know it's like, I know how I feel when I'm taking better care of myself and just trying to keep up with that when I'm stressed out, when I'm having a hard time, not faulting from that and just being consistent. And owning that, like, okay, I'm stressed, so I'll sit down with that stress 
try to find the source and you know move on with that keep going from there but being stressed out shouldn't you know take me out of my root you know my root of feeling connected to my food feeling connected to my time and valuing myself I would love to know what resonated with you in my conversation with Christine. Communicate with me. Let me know on my IG or Facebook. Little by Little Birth. Also, my information and Christine's information will be on the show notes page. AquilaSRichards.com forward slash 83. On the next episode, I'm going to be speaking with Kimberly, who is going to share with us her experiences in pregnancy and birth and what she's learned about listening to her body. Thanks for listening to Fair the Free Child podcast. Like the show? Then show your love or give your feedback at AkilaSRichards.com.